0: I think that we we forget that asking for help doesn't just have to mean weakness. It can mean so many other things for other people and it can give us some white space in our life to do the exciting dreams, creative, fun things that we maybe have been putting off or been thinking we don't have time to do when really, if we made some tweaks, we could really feel like we have it all by, by putting all the blocks into place.
1: Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I'm anxiety treatment expert and licensed mental health counselor, Justine Carino. I'm here to help you understand the root of your anxiety so you can create new habits that actually stick. Toxic behavior patterns, dysfunctional relationships, and childhood family trauma are all linked to the anxiety you experience. And that's exactly what we dive into on this podcast. Join me as I guide you through flipping the script on your negative thoughts, setting healthy boundaries in your relationships, and cultivating a self-care practice that's as unique as you are. From my couch to yours, let's create your path to peace. Hello, my lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. Today we are diving into all things work and motherhood. My guest today is Lori Oberbreckling, the author of the book, Secrets of Supermom. Lori helps moms who want to be extraordinary present moms, but also want an amazing career and learn the skills and techniques to be able to quote unquote, do it all, which you'll hear us get into. It's kind of impossible to do it all. Balance is a myth. But talk about super moms. I mean, Lori is a mom of four and she's a wife. She's an author. She has a photography business, and she's a coach for moms. She has a podcast, and she's a corporate leader. Wow, I'm beyond impressed and dying to know how she manages all of these hats. So without further ado, let's get into this episode so you can hear from Lori. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career?
0: Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I um, am Lori Oberbreckling. I am a wife and a mom of four. My oldest is 12, and my youngest is six. So lots of busyness in between there. Uh, I'm also a corporate leader, and I wrote a book called Secrets of Supermom. And really, coming out of the pandemic, wanted to help moms who were really struggling. And so kind of created that and from that became a podcast and a program and coaching and all the things. So super excited to be here and share a little bit more about it.
1: I love it. And what a great role model you are for women who want to have really great careers and be a mom and be mom of multiple children. And sounds like you've had four kids in six years. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> packed them in. <laughs> yeah, packed them in. So the oldest is 12 and the youngest is six. So does this feel like a nice stage of parenting?
0: Like the most beautiful. I wish I could hit pause on it. So there's a little sass from them all, right? Like they all have their own personalities, of course, but I don't, I'm not quite into teenagehood where they're off doing their own things, right? Because they they can't drive they they're not doing their own things and then the littles i'm out of diapers we are in we just finished kindergarten it was a full year full day full year and so just i feel like we're in this perfect spot where they're independent enough to do a lot of things on their own but not so independent that they're gone from us all the time so we just have this really good time together they all are really close in age so they play well together now they fight too because of course they're close in age but they it's just we can do a lot of fun things right now and that we couldn't do before or that would have been a little more challenging before and so it
1: just really feels like a sweet spot and i'm taking it all in for sure yeah i i do a lot of family therapy and in our training they say like When the children are like the elementary years is usually the sweet part, the sweet spot of families because of exactly what you're describing. It's right before the big changes of adolescence and we've moved out of the toddler phase and everyone's kind of in this nice place. So enjoy every minute of that.
0: Yeah. It's really cool that they're all there at the same time. Now, to be fair, they'll all be teenagers at the same time. (laughs) So who knows what kind of chaos that will bring. But right now it is, um, I'm feeling very
1: lucky. Yes. And I always like to picture like when children are the adults, right? Like picture your Thanksgiving table with four adult children. Like that is such a nice end goal to have an experience to have as a mother. It's so fun. And I
0: am the oldest of four. And so I know what that looks like, right? We have 15 cousins on my side. So I know what it looks like to like have a giant family also. And it's just very special.
1: I love that. So I'm so happy to be talking to you because I work with a lot of moms that love working and they love being a mom and they're very ambitious and they have career goals and they're excited about their goals, but they also want to be present with their children. You know, I can relate to that myself too. So I'm curious, what exactly led you to writing Secrets of Supermom? What was going on for you? What did you notice in other moms at the time? Yeah. I mean,
0: I think for sure the original like little nuggets of idea completely surround exactly what you said, that I am that mom. I am a mom who is a corporate leader, right? I love my career. I love the business that I have created. And I love doing things with my family, not just being a mom, but actually being a present mom who goes to baseball games and takes them to the park and does fun picnics and goes to the skate park and does just all of the fun things that I want to be there and be present. And so there is only so much time in the day. And there's so many, only so many ways that you can manage that. And so I knew that, you know, kind of deep down that that was a message that I just always carried forward in work and in my business. Um, But then the pandemic happened and I noticed moms really struggling, right? There were certain moms that were, I wouldn't say thriving. I don't know that any of us would say we were thriving, but I think that there were moms that were doing a lot better than other moms. And there were some moms that were struggling hard, right? Especially at that point, because now we're trying to mom and career at the same time. And so I thought, what if I surveyed and interviewed some moms? So I surveyed and interviewed almost 200 moms and I pulled together these 16 secrets, which turned into 16 chapters of this book. And these are secrets that they are using um, every day to succeed, to thrive in, in now, right? In many cases. And things that they were just doing differently and things that they, certain moms had and other moms wish they had. And so things like habits and routines, things like productivity skills, things like asking for help, like skills like that, right? Skills like routines, whether that be a morning routine or an evening routine, there were just these similarities that we were able to pull together and say, yes, these things actually work. And they're actually helping moms feel that feeling of balance because it really isn't balance, right? It's just a feeling that we have that we're in alignment with the life that we want to live. And that alignment is possible. We just have to learn some skills to get there, right? There's some strategies that help us get there easier, faster, better
1: with more peace. I love that. And I definitely later want to hear some of what those secrets are. But I want to acknowledge something really nice and unique here. I think a lot of women have like this all or nothing thinking like, oh, if they're successful in their career, they must be working 100 hours and they never get to see their kids to make themselves feel better. Or if they're... um at home more like oh they have nothing to like they have no career ambition they have nothing going on they're with their kids all of the time I could never be like that so it's this all or nothing um path where we feel like we're sacrificing something like if I'm killing it in my career then I'm sacrificing being a mom and if I'm killing it at home I'm sacrificing a career and it sounds like you found this gray area where you can be present with both. It's not all or nothing. The middle, the in-between seems possible.
0: The in-between is totally possible. And the in-between happens when we stop comparing, right? So one, there's some things we talk about in the book um, about jealousy and comparison and how that is definitely taking us in the wrong direction, right? Because everyone has a different life. Everyone has different responsibilities. Everyone has different things. Even moms that have a career and four kids, just like me, right? I have a career, I have four kids. Other moms with a career and four kids have different levels of spousal assistance, have different levels. You know, some of them are married, some are not. There are different levels of like elderly parent care, right? Like there are women that are caring for their parents as well. I am not at my age. So there are all sorts of other things that play into our lives that we can't compare. Life to another because there's literally no one that has it exactly the same as us. So, being able to deep dive into our own life and figuring out where we can make the changes not because someone else is doing it, but because that's right for us that's where we can pull in and find that balance, find that alignment, find that time in between. And it isn't black and white, right? There are days where I go from career to mom to business to career to mom to business, career to mom to business, and at the end of the day, go oh, wow, yeah, that was really balanced versus going career for eight hours, momming for eight hours, sleeping for eight hours, right? There are days that are like that. And and those can work too. It's just being able to figure out what really works for you, getting rid of all the ick that is often bogging us down and being able to really move forward and say, okay, I am doing it all because I'm doing all the things that I really find important in my own personal life.
1: So I imagine people really getting familiar with what they value. And listening to their personal values, because what every mom values is going to look different from the other mom and what they're valuing at that time. And it's so different from the way our mothers raised us, right? And it's because of social media. We now get to see how every other mother is doing things. There's mom influencers and some are working moms, some are stay-at-home moms, some are this, some are that. And so you can't help but scroll and compare. And that's where things get dangerous. We're like, how is that person doing it all? And we make these assumptions. They must be this or they must be that. And we really don't know, to your point, what's behind the curtain there. We never knew, know what level of
0: help, right? Some of us have very equal partnerships with our partner where there's where our partner is doing a lot and we're doing a lot and we're all in it t- together. Other women are doing it almost all by themselves with not a lot of help. Some women have a lot of hired help, right? Like they have a nanny and they have a housekeeper and they have a bunch of different things that are able to take a bunch of tasks off their list so they can focus more on those other things, right? And then the, we have all the in-between. We have all the in-between where... They've got some level of help. They've got parents at help. They've got all these other things. And you're right. We don't see all of that. Unless someone literally sits down and says, let me tell you all the help that I have in my life. You never know what that looks like. And so someone might seem like they're doing it all, but they're prioritizing the important things for them. And if they feel like they're doing it all perfectly, right, like they feel like they're doing it all because they're prioritizing the things that are important to them. They know their values. And then all those other things, they've either let go entirely they've let go some or they've been able to find help that they need in order to get them done without having to spend their own personal time.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And a lot of, I'm looking through this as the lens of like the ambitious women who want a great career and be a great mom, usually type a overachieving type of people where they're used to doing things themselves. They are uncomfortable asking for help. They will do things themselves until they're burnt out. And sometimes we have to learn the skill of delegation and be like, Oh, I am kind of taking on more than I need to. Maybe someone can pick up this slack here, whether it's delegating to a partner or a family member or hired help or to a child. So I think some women have a hard time recognizing that they can seek help in other ways.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I think you're completely right. And I totally, like, I can relate with that, right? Like years ago, that was me. I didn't ask for help from anybody. And it is the hardest thing for me, but it was the biggest benefit by me changing that and one of the things that I'll give you guys a hint or a tip that uh, that really worked for me, being a high achiever, I thought, well, I can just do it better. I can do it faster. I can do it. I can do it. So why should I ask yes. someone else to help? But when I started climbing my career, they said, how many opportunities are you keeping away from other people on your team because you're hoarding it, right? You're keeping it all mm-hmm. to yourself. So it was, for, it was a different way of thinking. Instead of me thinking, I'm asking for help, I can't do it, I'm saying that I'm weak. It was, oh, I have to give these opportunities to my team so they can grow, so they can grow their careers, so they can get better. And the same is true at home. I need to give these opportunities to my children, to my spouse, so that our you know, our spouses, when we have little babies and we're the mom and we're taking care of everything, our spouse has no opportunity to get good at those things. Our kids have no opportunity to get good at those things before they leave our like beautiful little nest and have to do all these things on their own. When I flip it that way, it was like, oh, I'm actually taking something away from other people by not asking for help. Let me start doing that. And that was kind of my first way to start flipping it around. And then of course I started getting better at it. And I was like, oh, this is actually easier. Okay. I'm going to get some more stuff off my plate that's that's totally overwhelming for me. But I think that we we forget that asking for help doesn't just have to mean weakness. It can mean so many other things for other people. And it can give us some white space in our life to do the exciting dreams, creative, fun things that we maybe have been putting off or been thinking we don't have time to do when really, if we made some tweaks, we could really feel like we have it all by, by putting all the blocks into place.
1: I love that you bring this up and these are going to be an extreme, extreme words, but it gets to the point. I often say in, in my therapy sessions, overfunctioners enable dysfunction in the people around them. Mm -hmm. Because you're over functioning. So you're enabling what the other person is lacking. And this is where like the anxiety and control freakness comes up. Because it's like, I will, if I do it myself, I can predict that it will be done well. I know it will be done well. If I allow my partner to do this or my son to do this or someone else to do this, maybe they won't do it as well as I do. And that's going to cause me anxiety. So sometimes it's self-serving. We're like, well, I'm just preventing myself from feeling uncomfortable. I feel more comfortable doing it myself. It's scary to allow someone else to do it. And so then... Like to your point, if we're not allowing other people to develop certain skills per se, I'm thinking of like a teenager, like they need these skills to be independent. Let's have them pack their lunch. Let's have them put on their shoes, whatever. We're enabling a lack of their functioning, right? So sometimes we're not just really helping ourselves, you know, feel less stressed and overwhelmed with managing parenthood and career. We give the opportunity for someone to grow in a new way. So I love that you brought that up.
0: Yes, absolutely. That growth is so important and it takes the, the the brunt off of us. Even if we have to teach it and spend a little extra time at the beginning, it takes that time away and little pockets of time. I speak so much about just little bits of time that can be such a game changer in your life. And so even just taking away those little things that someone else can help with is really a great way to get yourself that bigger chunk of space where you can do what you want with it and whether that is rest or like recharge or that is to start work on the bigger dreams the bigger goals the things that you felt like you you can't do right i can't possibly i couldn't possibly spend this time on me to do this big to try this big thing because i have all these other things well maybe you do actually have time to do those and wouldn't that be amazing and wouldn't that feel really aligned and in like the integrity and and all the things that you're really wanting to feel in your life.
1: I love that. I agree with you so much with all this, so much. Okay, I yelled at my daughter because she decided to dump an entire glass of water all over the bathroom floor on purpose while just looking me dead in the eyes. And in hindsight, it really felt like a mom fail that I reacted that way. You know, her spilling the water wasn't even a big deal, it didn't matter, I was just feeling really stressed out about work, getting the kids to school on time, and it was just one more thing to clean up and deal with in the morning, during chaos, and it was a little overwhelming. I'm a busy working mom, and for the longest time, this was almost a daily recurrence, yelling at my kids because I was so stressed out. And it kept happening because I didn't know how to take care of myself and get the care I needed. So instead, I became drained, overbearing, and an irritable mess in the house. (laughs) So now through intentional self-care strategies and some simple techniques for anxiety and stress management that have become non-negotiables for me, I am doing more that I enjoy and stressing less. I want you to have the same relief. I want you to have more days with less mom guilt, more moments of fun and presence with your kids, and making good memories with your family. Also, more of living your life well. Join me for the Path to Peace live group program to clarify and prioritize what you truly want for yourself and your family and learn how to slow down and say no more often to the things that don't align with you. You can learn more about the path to peace by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to carinocounseling.com. So what do you think the biggest struggles are for moms that have these big goals and career ambitions, but also value motherhood and want to be present and want to be all the things? What are some of the biggest struggles you found during these interviews? A lot of what we've
0: talked about so far, having that black and white I either need to be working or momming, and that's it. And they need, there needs to be this clear division between them when so often Many of us work from home, right? Especially now, many of us still work from home. I have worked from homes for, for years and years. I mean, mm-hmm. I've worked from home off and on since 2007. So for me, this is not a new experience, but for many it is, right? So you've got this work from home situation or you're running a business and maybe you don't have childcare or don't have a lot of childcare. And so you're trying to manage everything at the same time and you think you're failing because it's not always black and white. Now, sometimes you need that black and white time to feel really present with your family or to feel really focused on your business. That's chosen time that we schedule, right? So there is time for that. But when you feel like it must be black and white, and it almost never is, and you're feeling guilty and faily because of that, that gives you that anxiety. It causes that just kind of that buzz inside where you feel like you can't fully focus and you can't fully feel the moment in any moment. And really it's, it's that thinking that is, you know, is this really true? Does it have to be black and white? Could I be hanging out with kids and doing some work at the same time? And could it be totally cool, right? Like, could these things be mutually exclusive? Could things be happening at the same time and it's okay. And I think the answer is yes. And, and by kind of taking that within, by really accepting that we can get some peace from that and not always feel like it, it isn't working.
1: No, that's awesome. I have so many thoughts. One is the houseplant thought. So (laughs) I was reading an article and was talking about parenting a teenager. But teenagers, they act like they don't want you around at all, but they do like the same way you're a houseplant, right? Like, you know the houseplant is there. You have to water it like once in a while. That's how teenagers want their parents around. They want to know that you're still there and that you're still caring and then they can come to you for water every now and then. But they don't want you all up in their business. But there's something about what you were saying that made me think of that analogy like you can still be doing your work stuff with your teenager in the background doing their homework right you're not talking to each other but it's the presence of each other that sometimes makes all the difference so I was thinking of that the other thing I was thinking of is the shoulds that rule our lives right and I do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy and I always try to point out the should statement that someone has in their head I should be working this many hours I should be making this much money I should spend this much time with my kids should 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 and these shoulds make us feel really guilty because they're usually unrealistic We usually cannot meet them. They're usually a result of comparison and that's where the jealousy comes up. So then we don't meet them and then we feel guilty, but then it's irrational guilt because we shouldn't have had that expectation to begin with. And I think the shoulds come from a lot of conditioning that's modeled to us, right? So we can all think of, our own parents that raised us? Did we have working moms? Did we have stay-at-home moms? What were our experiences of both of that? What about the community we grew up in, right? Was it common to have working moms? Was it common not to have it? And then the community we live in now, what is quote-unquote normal um, for moms in the community? So there's so much conditioning coming from society at large, from our own family history, that impacts our thoughts about how to be a mom in 2022. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think, so my mom worked, right? But she also did tons of like crafts and activities with us. And she also did like 95% of the housework. And so that's how I saw. And so when I started as a mom, that's how I thought it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be all me, no help. You do it all. Like you figure out a way to manage your career. And and I was like, hold on a stinking second. (laughs) First, there's another adult in this house, right? Second, this does this have to be true? Just because this was her choice, does this need to be my choice? Does is all of this true? And so, asking yourself, is you know, is it true? Is that is what is in the community right now right for me? And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes it's like, yeah, this is working, awesome, cool, great. But sometimes the answer is no. And it is okay if the answer is no. It is okay if everyone in your community is a crazy busy working mom and all you ever wanted to do was be a stay-at-home mom. And you're loving that. And like there's zero reason to feel guilty about that. And the exact opposite is, or, is true as well. If everyone's a stay-at-home mom and you want to work and you love it, then there is no reason for you to quit and stay at home, right? We feel like... We are constantly comparing and, and that comparison just does no good for us. And for gel, like when I feel say like when you're looking at somebody else and you're feeling jealous, I always challenge people to say, what is it that's making you feel jealous, right? What is that pull? Is it that, so like a really easy example is like a mom that has like an amazing body, right? So mom over there has an amazing body. My normal mom body, not amazing, Right. (laughs) And I like, am I jealous, am I feeling jealous of that? And if so, like, let's explore that a little bit. If I'm feeling jealous of that, it, is that something I really want? And am I willing to do what's necessary to get that? I point? love that. So this is a very easy one to look at because I can say, am I willing to be very careful with my eating, track it daily, watch every calorie, every macronutrient? Nutri- and am I willing to spend lots of hours working on in hard workouts, Right. And my answer might be, yes, I'm willing to do that. And so I can then make a plan to start that. And my answer so often on the other side is actually no, no, I'm not willing to do that. So I can be excited for her, but I am not willing to do what it takes to get that. The example can be the same for someone's career, someone's stay-at-home mom life, someone's marriage, someone's anything. Am I willing to do what it takes to get that? And if the answer is no, then that jealousy, we have to learn how to let that go because there is no reason to let that simmer. If the path to get there is something you're not willing to
1: do. I love that. I'm going to borrow it. I'm going to use it for myself. I'm going to share with clients. Use it, for because, it works really nicely. I use it too. <laughs> yes, I'm going to use this because you're so right. Because you can have whatever you want, right? I'm, I'm. We're ambitious women. You can, you can have whatever you want. You have the power to figure it out. Everything's figure outable. But are you willing to do what it takes to have that? And then you have to self-reflect and say, mm, that's not me. I'm actually not willing to do that. So goodbye jealousy. Maybe I'll come back to that another phase of my life. But right now, I'm not. Willing to do that right now. I don't want to sacrifice other things to make that happen. Maybe she chose that and is sacrificing other things in her life that I easily have. Absolutely. And it is sometimes it is about sacrifice, right?
0: So for that example, would I be willing to work out? Let's pretend she works out two hours a day. Am I willing to work out two hours a day? Right. Am I willing to spend two hours of my time a day that I like thinking of my life right now? What would I have to sacrifice to make that happen? Right. And oftentimes I might not be, but maybe. I am willing to sacrifice to start a new business. Maybe I can find ways. Maybe I am willing to sacrifice perfectly folded towels and the cleanest house on the block to do something exciting and new, right? Maybe I'm willing to sacrifice some of the things. You know, that's a a tug of war that I have all the time. When I'm really focused on a big project, so I just did a summit, which brought a bunch of moms together. It was amazing but I had a lot of time that was focused towards that outside of my career, outside of my family life. So was my house the cleanest during that time? Were there toys everywhere? Were there things all over the place? Yes, they sure will, because that was something I was willing to sacrifice in order to make this other dream happen, right? And knowing that dream would be met, and then I would be able to go back and go like, okay, (laughs) our house is a wreck. Let's get this back to where we want it to be. And so there's always the give and take and figuring out what's the most important thing to me and how can I drive that forward. And it's okay to let some of the other things go and figure out what those things are, those things are that are comfortable for you. Cause it's not always going to be the messy house. It's going to be something else. It's going to be the extra volunteer time at the school, or it's going to be the extra date nights, or it's going to be whatever you're willing to let go of that
1: to make the other thing happen. I love that. And so that's that's the balance, right? Where you're willing to give and take is you're giving and taking, giving and taking in alignment with what you're doing at that time. And I also think we can think about things as temporary. You know, when I'm anxious or stressed, I often fall into thinking patterns like this is forever. This is the end all be all, right? I'm thinking of like when I've had newborns like I will never sleep again. Like this cannot <laughs> be how life will go, right? But then I'm like, wait, this is temporary. Like I I know people say we'll get past this. I have to have faith that there's the other side and that my kids will sleep, right? And my kids do sleep now. So everything is temporary, and we learn that as we go. So imagining you with your summit, like, yeah, temporarily, your house was a mess. And you probably knew that. And you're like, okay, there'll be a time that this goal is over. And I feel so satisfied by this goal. And then I will tend to my house. So I think, like, for me, and and a lot of the clients I work with is reminding them that, Things are temporary, nothing is ever fully permanent. And when things feel hard to remind ourselves, like this is a phase of life in the season we're in with the goals we have. And sometimes things are gonna be a little bit different. We have to be a little bit more flexible.
0: Yes, a season is exactly what the word that I was thinking, like this is a season. And, and I think the thing that helps the most to not feel guilty and yucky about it is to plan for that season. So for me, I knew I was gonna be putting massive amounts of time into this project. And for, because of that, I knew that I needed to plan my family time to make sure that I was still, because that was never going to not be important to me, right? That was not one of the things I was willing to sacrifice and then know that certain housework, certain meal planning, certain things were not going to be done around the house and be ready to accept that beforehand and cut and plan for that. Be really intentional because by doing that, I then wasn't living in this week after week of guilt and yuck because it wasn't what I wanted it to be. I knew it wasn't what I wanted it to be, but I knew that was my intention. I knew that was the plan. I knew it was a season and it was okay because I knew that that season would come to an end. And then we would move into a new season of reorganizing and, you know, getting ready for back to school and doing all the things that, you know, that we're working on right now. And so it's just, I think the planning of it, the intentionality of it is what helps us stay out of that guilty, yucky feeling because we're preparing ourselves for what is to come instead of hoping it's going to be fine, even though we know we don't actually have enough time to make it all happen, or we know we don't have enough time to do quote it all.
1: Yeah, so planning is key. I'm guessing that's one of the things you include in your book. Huge. yes, huge, huge. So you've given us a lot of tips. Are there any other tips that you'd want listeners to hear, you know, some strategies for moms who are trying to manage this work life, quote unquote, balance and are starting to feel overwhelmed by both?
0: Yeah. I always get asked like, how do you do it all? Right. And I, and the answer is I certainly don't. Right. I have someone that cleans my house every two weeks, for example. So do I scrub toilets? Almost never. Do I like vacuum under my dresser? (laughs) Almost never. Right. These are things that I don't do because I have hired someone to do it. There are things that I still do do that at some point what I will probably give to children or that I will trade my spouse with other things. Right. My husband does. 95% 95% of the hanging and folding of the laundry. Like there are things that I don't do. Um, and because of that, I am able to feel like I do it all because I do feel like I do it all, but I don't actually do it quote all. So I think that that is the mystery, right? Is that we want to be able to do it all, but but we, we want to, but we can't actually do it all. And we've got to figure out what those things are. So for me is really figuring out those priority things, being able to stay in alignment, being able to, listen to my body. So I am like Enneagram three achiever. I will push forward. I will hit a goal. I will look for the next one, right? I don't celebrate it. I move on. So I have to be careful and pay attention to myself about those things. But I like, I can feel it in my body. If something isn't starting to feel right, Mm. I can feel that pressure in my chest. I can feel that pit in my stomach. So I have to go, hold on. You're meeting all the goals and you're hitting all the targets, but something isn't right anymore because instead of feeling exciting and light about it, you're feeling heavy. And so what's going on? I have to force myself to stop and listen to what my body is saying something is happening, even if my mind hasn't caught up yet. Even if my mind's like, no, go, you can do it. Keep running, right? So for me, that's my um, challenge, especially as I think ambitious moms can relate to that a lot. That their minds are saying, "Go, you've got this. Keep going. You're amazing." Uh, where you know, or or you can't stop. You might not be amazing if you stop. So don't stop, right? And whether it's one of those things, if you listen to your body, I think that you can also you can really feel that. So that's always a step that I say. Take some time to pause and listen in there and see what's actually happening. Do you feel light and excited and ready to go? Or are you feeling this heaviness and do you need to explore? Is this really balance? Is this really alignment? Are you really feeling the integration that you want to feel in your life?
1: You know, I, I also find to add to, to your comments, um, a lot of the doers and the achievers, like rest and downtime is really uncomfortable and like we always want to produce an outcome. And if we're not, if we're relaxing too much, it's like this itch starts to happen. We're like, what's the next thing? What can I work on? So it's really, really hard for someone to slow down when they're so used to producing. And we can even unpack that, like, was that conditioned? Were you rewarded as a child for producing outcomes? Were you praised? Is that how you felt loved, you know, through that praise? So rest is productive, right? And I want people to remember that, like we need the rest to take care of ourselves, to be able to take care of other people as moms or as leaders in our um, careers. And we have to get used to being uncomfortable with the slowdown. And it's very unfamiliar, that feeling for a lot of people. And it's very challenging. And people usually go back to old habits, like they slow down for two seconds, and they're back onto the next thing, but then they're stressed out, and then they're burnt out. And it's this whole cycle. So it sounds like it's very useful for people to get comfortable with slowing down when their body starts to tell them they need to.
0: Yeah, slowing down for sure. And taking that rest and and rest is super uncomfortable for me. I get it. Like you are speaking to me when you are saying these things, right? And so I have also you know, tried to realize, okay, so sitting on the couch, watching TV would be rest for some people, right? That's just annoying to me, right? I don't want to do that. I don't want to. So I think, okay, what do I like to do though? I love to read and that's rest, right? Like that's slowing down, like slowing my body down, slowing my mind down and letting it be creative, letting it think other thoughts than, what's next on my plate. right? So I work that in. I always bring a book when I go on vacation so that if I do have that antsy time when everyone else just wants to hang out and do nothing and I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, I can start reading my book. So like, I just got back from a vacation. I read two books on that vacation. And so I can force myself to do that because it is important. And I noticed for me, and I think other ambitious moms will fear this as well, because I know that I've talked to clients about this, is when you start to hit the go, 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 and you never take the rest whether that's sort of that intentional rest like i'm talking about or just like forced rest you know any sort of rest time you start to feel less creative in your thinking and i don't just mean like in creating ideas for creative types of output but also just good creative problem solving in your normal career good creative problem solving for challenges in your life and Those things start, everything becomes more black and white. I feel like when we are not taking that rest and letting our mind come up with ideas that are not this or that, that there's so much gray that comes when we give ourselves time to rest. And so that's really important to me. That part of my mind, I love, and I really want to always be able to access. So I know, okay, you're doing too much. If that starts to go away for me and now, and that's again, listening to my like body and my mind, right? Listening and saying, okay, you've got to slow down you've got to take some white space, you've got to block time, mine's Friday evenings, block time where you have nothing scheduled, nothing. And don't schedule anything until you actually get to that time. Now, if I want to work and I want to create something cool, but if I want to read or rest or take a nap or you know hang out by the pool with the kids, I can do whatever. But by making sure that space is blank, then I have that, that flexibility in my schedule versus packing everything in and going, oh, I don't have time to rest.
1: I love that. And I love that you're giving me snippets of your life because I'm like, I want to write down every detail of what this woman does because she, you are, you are the super mom, right? And I'm hearing you talk. You're like, I read two books on vacation with my four kids in my head. I'm like, how do you read two books on vacation with four kids? Where did you find time to do that? So like, I just want to dissect every part of your day. I'm just so curious about you. Have you heard of the app Match to Play? Match to Play is the first virtual community developed to support family well-being. Now, there's a lot of resources and tools out there for the moms, the dads, the children, even the teens. There really aren't many apps designed to support the entire family. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast for some time, you know I'm always talking about the importance of family systems because our families have a direct impact on how we learn how to regulate our emotions and how we have relationships with other people in this world. So if our family is doing well, we're more likely to do well as individuals. This app allows you to connect with other families in your area that have similar interests, values, and lifestyles. It helps you to get to know family-friendly activities, where you live, meet other community members, set up play dates and really start to immerse yourself and connect with the people around you. To learn more about this app, head to the link in my bio. Let's dive into your life a little bit. You know, so you say Fridays, you allocate that for downtime and you choose to do with what you want. Like, is sleep, like, I can't help but think, like, are you sleeping? Like, do you get enough sleep? Are you eat Like, what are your typical routines through your work week and weekend?
0: Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of routines that are really important to me. One is Sunday planning. So Sunday mornings, I always plan my week. Super important to me because I want to be able to, I have a, a morning routine. It's short, I'll I'll share it, but I want to be able to start executing on my plan without having to think. So my goal with setting up my routines, my goal with setting up with doing my Sunday planning is that I don't have to wait for motivation and I don't have to wait to be "Quote ready, I just can hit go. I can just say I made the plan, and now I just have to execute the plan. And for me, that's a lot easier because many days I woke up, wake up motivated, right? I'm excited and motivated a lot of the time. But there are days where I wake up and I'm like, <laughs> I am not ready. I do not want to do this. So if I don't have a routine, if I don't have a habit in place to get going, I may not get going. And then you know, and then I start to feel guilty. I start to feel like I'm not doing what I should. Blah blah blah. You know, like then I get in my head." So if I can just get going, I've got to, you know, I've got to have those routines in place. So morning wise, I wake up, um, I get up very, very early. I get up at four. Um, and I know that's, uh, like obscenely early for most people that are listening, but I do get up at four. Uh, it progressively got, I've always gotten very early and it progressively got earlier and earlier as I had more children because they woke up earlier and earlier. Yes. And I really, phase needed, I'm in. yes, I really needed the time before they were awake. My mind is on fire in the morning. It is my best energy physically and mentally. And I need to use that time. And when there were like babies everywhere and toddlers everywhere, and it was like mass chaos, I couldn't use it. And so I would just progressively got up earlier and earlier. And now they get up later, right? Like now they're getting up in like the six o'clock hour. So I have like two whole hours before they're awake, whether that's to work or to do other things. But I have coffee, I feed our dogs. I do my gratitude. I do gratitude in the morning every single day because I have found a giant difference in my life by doing gratitude and a little bit of journaling than when I didn't, because now I am always looking for the things to be grateful for in my life. Always, every day, all day long, I'm looking for things I can be grateful for. And that is a beautiful habit to be in because I find things I probably would never would have noticed even in the past. And I so, you know, it's hard to start if you're not used to doing it, if you're not used to looking for those things, but even if they're tiny, I am grateful that my coffee is hot right now <laughs> because I drink cold coffee so often, right? I am grateful that I have new tennis shoes to do my workout, right? Like it can be tiny things. So I do workouts four days a week and um, and those are in the morning also because again, high energy times, I wanna use that energy because if I wait till like three in the afternoon, the workout just kind of pitters away and never ends up happening. So I know me, I know what I will Do, you know, I work with a coach because he's waiting on me. He wants me to come there. You know, I have a group that is waiting on me. So I have, I put some accountability in place because working out has never been my favorite, but I know it's important and it definitely makes my body feel different. And yeah, so those that morning routine and then the Sunday planning are my most important things and really have allowed me to consistently meet goals over and again by doing that because I'm not just waking up every day hoping I might get some stuff done today. I'm, I'm just not allowing myself to allow hope to be my strategy, right? I have an actual plan.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I'm so yeah. impressed. You know, what you're identifying here is what I call like non-negotiables for some of my clients. And when we're talking about specifically like emotion management, more anxiety management. I have them identify, like, what are the non-negotiables throughout the week that you need to do to feel grounded? What are your anchors? Like, what do we have to start habitualizing and put into a routine so you have this strong foundation to your day or your week? And you easily identified yours. You're, you're like, I'm waking up at four and I'm doing my coffee and my gratitude and my workout and I'm getting ready before my kids. And then Sunday, it's the planning for the week. I have, I'm very similar. I am i wouldn't say wake up at four. I, I, <laughs> I struggle at the 5.20 mark. I'm trying to adjust the clock back to five. I'm slowly getting there. But there's something about getting yourself ready before the kids are up, which is huge huge. Like you're ahead of the game. If your kids are waking you up and it's like a work week or school day, I feel like you're so behind the ball and that just adds so much stress.
0: It feels like you are struggling through it all, right? Even if you still have enough time, it just feels like, because you're constantly balancing what you need to get done, right? What like curl your hair or like put lunches together or whatever you have to do in the morning with what they need at the time. You know, they don't care if it's a toy that they need off a top shelf or they need help with tying their shoes or they need help picking out an outfit, but whatever it is, they need it and you have to, you're constantly balancing it back and forth. So just being able to focus on the one thing and get that done. And then when they're up, being able to focus on them without having to still push for the other things, it's just easier. It's just, you know, it's always easier to do one thing than it is to do 20.
1: And by the way, it leads to such less conflict because a lot of conflicts between parents and children or teenagers is there's two different needs at the time, and you can't compromise both. You can't find to come to a conclusion where it's compromised. The parent has a need for whatever they need to do in the moment, and the child or teenager has their need, and so it's the two needs clashing. And in the morning, it's like the parent has their need to get ready for their day, the kid has their need for their day. And if you're trying to do both at once, that's conflict waiting to happen. The screaming, the yelling, the crying, the attitude. And what a way to start the day. No one wants to start the day that way.
0: Absolutely. The start of the day I think is so important. And I've had days like that where I was like, oh, today's going to be terrible, right? Like it started so horribly and now it's going to be a horrible day. Like every minute is ours. And so we get to change whenever we want. It doesn't have to mean like one day doesn't have to start bad and end bad, right? We can make that decision, but also we can set ourselves up so that we can prevent some of those chaotic moments to start with. And the you're right, that early morning, that preparation the night before, even a lot of times getting everything ready so that, you know, all your toddler's clothes and shoes and everything is ready to go in the morning or in the night before, so that when everyone wakes up, it's just execute. There's no decisions to be made. That can always help. There's just, I think there's so many ways that planning helps you set yourself up for success so that things are easier. Moments yes. are easier.
1: Yeah. And do you have a like unwind routine for yourself at night to get yourself ready for sleep? So
0: I sleep only about six and a half hours. Um, mm-hmm. and that is enough for me. My goal is to put our children to bed and go to bed as soon as possible after. So I do not have like a, get all the like lunches made. Like a lot of that stuff's still my morning because that's when I'm up and ready to go. Mm. Like, I don't do a lot the night before because my goal is to them in bed, me in bed. Uh, yeah. And then my morning is when I can do all the those extra things where that doesn't work for some moms, right? You want to put your kids to bed and then you want to have that free time at night to do all that stuff. And if that works for you, awesome. If that's stressful for you, consider where you can make changes for that.
1: You know, I've have friends are like, Oh, I, I do my workout at night. Like I need to to know the kids are sleeping so I can focus on my workout at night. And that's where I feel good. I'm like, that's great. That's your routine, right? Like that's where you feel most like focused on yourself. So it depends on the person. It
0: absolutely does. And I really think it's just about being consistent. It's not about, there isn't sort of any sort of magical schedule, right? Like I couldn't be like, here's the magical schedule. And then you do it and you're like, Oh, You have to figure out what's right for you. Where is your energy? Where is your strength? Where is your focus? And what, how can you fit that into like the beautiful parts of your day? And when you fit it, and then you can be consistent with that done, then that's where
1: that's where you want to be. Consistency, whatever your routine is, be consistent with it. 100%. I love that advice we're going to head to wrap up. But before yeah. you say that, talking about habits, I listened to something the other day and I was so like, Oh, really? You know, I've always been thinking that to make a habit, it takes 21 days. Like for some reason we got the 21 day rule. New research is showing it takes 66 days to a year to form a habit. And that's why consistency is so important, but people give up. And they're like, this didn't work out. I tried it this way for a few weeks and it didn't work out. Maybe you didn't try it long enough. So listeners, if you're listening and you're like, okay, what does consistent look like? It could take three months up to a year to feel good about your routine. And it's okay to like pause it and try again, but you got to figure out what works best for you.
0: Absolutely. I think I'll give you two examples. I think that my weekly planning it worked so quickly, so well, so quickly. And like using a planner and doing all that stuff was just so like, I was just so into that, that it was, and it was so similar to things I was doing before. That was a very easy habit to take on what it was very easy way to work it into my life working out. However, I would say it was a, probably a good year before I wouldn't wake up and think, could I get, have an excuse to get out of it? (laughs) Right now. There's never an excuse. I just get up and I go, I get up and I go, I I do it right. There is no question. If I'm going, there is no, do I have other things to do? No, I just get up and I do it. And yes, it's completely a habit. My body knows I'm going to do it. I go put my shoes on. Like everything is just there, but it probably took a good year before I got there, before I was like, oh, this is, I'm so tired. Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, right? All the excuses would come up for me uh, because it just wasn't something I always did. And it wasn't something that like I
1: loved from the beginning. I loved how I felt after, but oh, getting there was just so hard so hard. And I want that's the reality, right? For people listening, like it's not easy. It could take you a long time to develop a new habit that you want in your life that you think will benefit you. I mean, we have this false belief. It's only gonna take a few weeks and then good. And then when a few weeks happen, and we don't reach that goal, we get down and we give up. It takes longer to hit these goals. And I mean, that's why like people hire people like you and me, right, is to
0: like have the accountability to keep some of those routines in place for longer. Because on their own, they're like, Oh, I tried it for three weeks and it didn't work where you're like, well, let's try it for 90 days. Like, let's do it together and let's keep, you know, you consistent. And then they're like, Oh, it does work. And then, you know, they feel amazing and all the things. So, so yeah. So for me, like, that's why I hired a a workout coach, right? Because I needed someone who was going to keep me on track and
1: um and he does <laughs> I love it I love it Wow thank you so much Lori I'm so happy to have this conversation with you you've given so such great advice and tips How can listeners find you and connect with you Yes absolutely I am at secretsofsupermom.com uh, Instagram and Facebook is the same.
0: And the podcast is the Secrets of Supermom Show as a freebie. So, I we talked a little bit about time strategy and time tracking and those sorts of things too. And um, so, I have a master your time toolkit and you can go to secretsofsupermom.com forward slash master your time. And if you use coupon code supermom, you get it for free.
1: Amazing. I will make sure I put that in the show notes for people to go grab. Thank you so much, Lori. Have a fabulous day. I will be, I will be thinking of you tomorrow when I'm waking up. I'm gonna be like, I can do it. <laughs> Lori's up already. I'm getting up. <laughs> you can do it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Lori. Wow. I mean, Lori is doing it. I feel like I could sit down with her and talk for another two hours with a pen and a notepad and take detailed notes on how she's doing everything. I'm just so curious about all of her tips and techniques on how to manage a career and motherhood, especially with four kids. It's really impressive. So if you haven't heard yet from my email blasts and my Instagram posts, I'm really excited to let you know that I am now offering coaching services and can provide this support to anyone, anywhere in the world. So as a psychotherapist, I'm licensed in New York State and can only do um, psychotherapy in New York State. But as a coach, I'm able to work with people anywhere. So I created a coaching package specific for workaholic moms who are really overwhelmed with how much they obsess about work but they feel a lot of anxiety about it because they want to be home with their kids more. They want to be more present in their family life, but they have this pull, this compulsion towards work that they need help managing. So if this is something you're interested in, please DM me or email me at justine at carinocounseling.com and we can see if this offer is a fit for you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to rate or review this podcast, please do so. It will help me get this content out into the world and support more people on their mental health journeys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. For complimentary anxiety management tools, you can head over to my website, CarinoCounseling.com. Thank you so much for listening and go enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.